This is Radio Energy News. This is Molly Finlay on Energy Radio. Today's headlines. The UK is set to pay France an additional £8 million per year to increase the surveillance of French beaches. The deal was struck by Suella Braverman to try stop people crossing the English Channel in small boats. There will be British officers working on French soil to detect and intercept the illegal migrants as they attempt to leave France. The Scottish child payment has increased from £20 to £25 today. Eligibility has been extended to all under-16s and is now thought to benefit around 400,000 children in Scotland. We speak to the public. I can't benefit from it because we have money invested, so I think the criteria they use are not adequate. And lastly, at the G20 summit today, Presidents Joe Biden and Xi Jinping have shaken hands at their first face-to-face meeting in almost two years. Biden has said clearly that he does not believe there is an imminent threat of Cold War. We, uh, I've met, met many times with Xi Jinping. I absolutely believe there need not be a new Cold War. Today's top story. The Scottish Government have extended the Scottish child payment to all under-16s. Eligible families will now receive £25 per week per child. The benefit was previously available to low-income families with children under the age of six, but now the extension means 400,000 children in Scotland are eligible. The uplift is welcomed after Chancellor Jeremy Hunt announced over the weekend we can expect to see spending cuts and tax rises ahead of his autumn budget on Thursday. Christine Fernand has this report. Prior to announcing his budget on Thursday the 17th, Jeremy Hunt has said he will raise taxes and cut spending. Hunt said, we're all going to be paying a bit more tax. We will be asking everyone for sacrifices, but we need to recognise that there's only so much you can ask from people on the very lowest incomes. I took to the streets of Edinburgh and asked people about pending tax hikes and how it will affect their standard of living. Do people want the rich to pay more tax? The rich need to pay more taxes. Um, Obviously, they earn more money than the poor do, so the poor are going to lose out. Are you worried that low-income families will be hit further? It'll be quite detrimental for everyone, but I think that that the poor are going to be the most affected. Absolutely. 100% yes, sir. What are your thoughts on Thursday's budget? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it just seems like they've not got a clue what they're doing. They're clasping at straws to try and um, get some money from people that don't have it. Um, I anticipate um, any budget to be full of uh, more stupidity and something that will hit the the neediest and affect the uh, richest least. Will this mitigate the cost of living crisis? It's going to hurt everybody's pocket. Not everybody earns a big wage packet. Um, we're living hand to mouth most of the time. I think this will, uh, you know, be detrimental for a lot of businesses, and I think, you know, uh, places, you know, such as pubs, cinemas, theatres, uh, there's going to be a, a widespread closure, uh, not only within Edinburgh but all over the UK. Of course, it will. You know, you know, any rise in taxes is going to uh, make it harder for for everybody. Child payment benefit applies to parents or guardians with children under 16 years old. Those eligible will already be receiving some benefits or government payments. Currently, the UK define a low-income family as a household living on less than 60% of UK median income. We spoke to Juliana Silva, mother of two, about whether the child payment benefit criteria is reaching enough families. 
I can't benefit from it because we have money invested. So I think the criteria they use are not adequate. For families with savings or those living just above the breadline, the child payment benefit is failing to mitigate strains caused by the cost of living crisis. While Nicola Sturgeon has called the uplift the most ambitious child poverty reduction measure in the UK, the SNP have met criticism after their online application system crashed due to high demand this morning. The website was restored by 12pm and struggling families continue to apply for a little extra in advance of the fiscal budget this Thursday. This morning, Home Secretary Suella Braverman has secured a deal with France in an attempt to tackle the UK's migrant crisis. It is estimated that over 40,000 migrants have crossed the English Channel in small boats this year, setting a record high. Our cooperation and collaboration with the French on the Channel is absolutely integral to ensuring that there is a, a robust barrier uh, preventing people disembarking from the French beaches in the first place. Braverman's deal will see the UK pay France an additional £8 million per year in order to increase surveillance and security on French beaches. In light of the new deal struck by Conservative Home Secretary, we spoke to Maggie Chapman, Green MSP for North East Scotland and spokesperson for human rights. In a statement provided, Chapman said... People do not risk their lives and those of loved ones on a deadly crossing by choice. They are driven to it out of desperation. Rather than a constant and failed fixation on how to reduce numbers, the focus should be on working with others to address the reasons why so many people are forced to uproot their lives. Energy reporter Manon Musso spoke to French journalist Louis Witter, who followed the migrants' camp in the north of France for a year and asked for a, an opinion on the deal. I think the deal is a way of reassuring the British population who are opposed to the migrant arrivals. The deal is good, but the root of the problem has not been settled. Even if we put more police, there will always be people who cross the channel into the UK. I think it's a bit of a decoy from a practical point of view to think that the reinforcement of police will avoid these new arrivals in the UK. There must be legal crossing and legal possibilities for these people to apply for asylum to prevent them from crossing the channel illegally and putting themselves in danger. Today we can see that more people want to go illegally from the United Kingdom from France rather than the reverse. So France finds itself managing the border of the United Kingdom and that is at a huge cost. That was French journalist Louis Witter and our reporter Manon Musio. Now for our local news with Sophia Kerr. First Minister Nicola Sturgeon has called an arson attack on a Remembrance Sunday memorial sickening and disgraceful. Poppy wreaths placed outside Edinburgh City Chambers for yesterday's service were set alight in the early morning, early hours of this morning. Gordon Mitchie, veteran and head of fundraising at Poppy Scotland, spoke about the reaction to the incident. The, the people I spoke to this morning, it was, it was anger, uh, frustration, hurt, because we are remembering people that have given the greatest sacrifice for our nation. Thousands gathered on Saturday to march from St Andrew's Square to Holyrood as part of the Global Day of Action for Climate Justice. The march was organised to coincide with COP27 as world leaders gathered in Egypt. Juliet Robertson climate change campaigner attended the march and spoke about its importance. 
We're a year on now from COP26 and there were so many promises made at COP26 that was happening in Scotland and we had this really global stage, ever worsening climate effects and extreme weather. The governments don't seem to be doing anything about it. We are expecting them to deliver on those promises. Huge crowds coming through and they've been marching for you know, an hour by the time they got to us and there was still so much energy. There's people dancing, chanting, drumming. It was absolutely amazing. Edinburgh is set to experience travel disruptions on Hogmanay as several trains will be cancelled to and from the city due to engineering works. The maintenance is set to take place from the 27th of December to the 2nd of January. Some trains from Aberdeen will be diverted to Stirling and several trains from Glasgow are also to be affected. Edinburgh's Hogmanay party is set to return for the first time since the pandemic, with thousands of partygoers expected to descend on the city. That was Local News with Sophia Kerr. Last week, it was announced that Scotland's largest teaching union, EIS, voted to strike on Thursday the 24th of November. Reporter David Proudfoot spoke to an EIS member who voted no in the ballot but wanted to remain anonymous. Scotland's second biggest teaching union, SSTA, is now currently balloting its members with a result expected by Thursday this week. We spoke to one union member who voted against strike action. I would say that I am not in support of the teacher striking on the 24th because whilst I am very sympathetic to the pay claim, I think the effects are in danger of being counterproductive. Teachers are striking or have got to the point where they want to strike because there has been this issue of a long lag in a pay deal being uh, created. I, I think some months ago this really should have been sorted and um, it hasn't been and I think teachers understandably are fed up. They rightly worked very hard during the period of the pandemic and a bit like colleagues in the NHS um, I think it's entirely understandable that people feel that that work should be recognised and appreciated financially um, as well as rhetorically. Back in May, teachers were offered a 2% pay rise, well short of the union demands in February for the 10% increase backdated to April. However, since then, negotiations have stalled and teaching unions and teachers have become increasingly frustrated with the lack of progress over their pay. The leadership of the EIS held a meeting on Friday to decide a schedule for further strike dates, with the details due to be announced in due course. Education Secretary Shirley Ann Somerville said that the Scottish Government is absolutely determined to find alternative funding for the teacher pay deal. I very much hope that teachers would be able to look at that offer, take it to its members and we could not have industrial action. The union's general secretary, Andrea Bradley, said it was somewhat positive that Ms Somerville had promised to try and make an improved offer to teachers. That was reporter David Proudfoot. Now for the international news with Sandia Menon. The G20 summit saw the presidents of the United States and China shake hands at their first face-to-face meeting in nearly two years. This comes amid increasing economic and security tensions between the two superpowers. Addressing the media during a press conference, Joe Biden says the meeting was productive. When asked if he believed China was preparing a cold war to invade Taiwan, Biden said, I absolutely believe there need not be a new Cold War. We, uh, I've met, met many times with Xi Jinping, and we were candid and clear with one another across the board. And I do not think there's any imminent attempt on the part of China to invade Taiwan. And I uh, made it clear that our policy on Taiwan has not changed at all. It's the same exact position we've had. I made it clear that we want to see cross-strait issues peacefully resolved, and, uh, and so it never has to come to that. 
President Zelensky has visited the city of Kherson after it was liberated by Ukrainian troops. The Ukrainian president says more towns and cities will be liberated from Russian forces, just like Kherson. He spoke to soldiers, saying Ukraine is moving forward and ready for peace. In that wider region, Vladimir Zelensky says his troops have taken back control of more than 60 settlements. He, however, says that the Russian troops have destroyed key infrastructure and attempted to leave traps for them. Everywhere in the liberated territory, our bomb disposal experts have a lot of work to do. Almost 2,000 explosive items have already been removed. Mines, trip wires and unexploded ammunition. This hasn't dampened the celebrations there. Authorities say the, city police officer in the city's police officers are returning while national TV and radio broadcasts have resumed. There were scenes of jubilation in the streets yesterday with many waving flags and embracing Ukrainian soldiers. I didn't quite like police before the war, but now when I see Ukrainian police, I'm glad to see them. And I think that Ukrainian police will set an order here. I hope for that. Slovenia has made history by electing its first-ever female president. Natasha Pierce-Musar is a journalist and lawyer who ran as an independent candidate with the backing of Slovenia's centre-left government. She defeated former foreign minister Anze Logar, winning 54% of the vote against Logar's 46%. The 54-year-old was a former lawyer to Donald Trump's wife, Melania. Turkish police say they have detained a Syrian woman following a bomb in Istanbul that killed six people. They say she has suspected links to Kurdish militants and has confessed to planting the device that went off on a busy shopping street yesterday. It's understood at least 46 other people have also been taken in for questionings. That was International News with Sandia Menon. Now to Philippa Holly with today's Sports Roundup. Now, the latest sport highlights on Radio Energy. It's been a big weekend for women's sport, with the New Zealand Black Ferns winning the Women's Rugby World Cup, beating England in a closely fought showdown. In tennis, Switzerland won the Billie Jean King Cup tournament, hosted at the Emirates Arena in Glasgow. The tournament is now the world's largest annual international team competition in women's sport. It was also a great weekend for the England men's cricket team, who triumphed in the T20 Cricket World Cup final against Pakistan to become champions. Speaking on the win, Managing Director of England men's cricket, Rob Key, had this to say. Very proud. I, I found it very stressful watching. I think we'll just try and enjoy it for a minute. The British success rate continued in yesterday's Brazilian Formula One Grand Prix, which saw Brit George Russell secure his first ever race win ahead of Mercedes teammate and fellow Brit Lewis Hamilton, who finished second. Speaking on his win, Russell had this to say. So many emotions, I think. Dreamt of this moment, for sure, many, many times. Russell's success at the weekend now leaves him in fourth place in the Drivers' Championship and Mercedes third in the Constructors' Championship, ahead of the season finale at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix next Sunday. Scottish rugby fans got their hopes up yesterday with a promising start against New Zealand, with Scotland leading for the majority of the game. However, the All Blacks proved the better team in the second half, pulling away to secure the win. What could have been a historic day for Scotland will have to wait till next time, with Scotland still having never won a game against New Zealand. Coach Gregor Townsend had this to say. Disappointment that we don't get to play New Zealand every couple of years like we used to. It's been five years. That'll be the biggest lead we've ever had against New Zealand in our history and we didn't get the win. Scotland play Argentina next weekend, with their opposition also recovering from a loss. The game will mark the last fixture in the Autumn International Series. Thank you, Philippa Howie. And finally, Scottish Book Week kicks off today, featuring a typically fabulous varied lineup. Reporter Ailey Tuckett finds out more. 
And finally, today marks the beginning of Scottish Book Week 2022, a seven-day celebration of literature where storytellers come together to encourage young people across the country to explore stories through a mixture of online and in-person workshops. Featuring events focusing on everything from the local to the international, Edinburgh's busy calendar kicks off tomorrow evening at Type Wronger Books. In collaboration with Beyond Form Creative Writing, Type Wronger are hosting an interactive workshop led by local authors. Tom from Type Wronger shares his thoughts. Well, I think really what it is, is is that it's just this amazing opportunity to highlight the wonderful amount of publishing and writing that we have going on here in Scotland. And of, and of course, to, to really focus in on small independent bookshops and the kind of support that we offer our communities and to let people know that they can just come reach out and, and become part of our community. We're having a, a wonderful creative writing event that's going to be hosted by Tonya Rennell and Maria Sledmere. Both of these women uh, do all kinds of amazing things uh, with publishing, often with small presses. And I think it's great that we're going to have people coming in to, to sort of work on their own creative writing within the bookshop itself. So I hope that people take away the notion that you don't need to be published by one of the big publishers to be a, a writer. Um, in fact, every reader is by nature a writer because that's how you respond. Some inspiring words from Tom. Now in its 11th year, Scottish Book Week has gone from strength to strength, inspiring the next generation of writers. Ailsa Dixon, one of Scotland's fledgling authors, shared what Book Week means to her. Book Week Scotland has meant a lot to me over the years. It meant a lot to me when I was at high school and doing stuff with the library and it was just really grand to have a week that you could just unashamedly love books and talk about them and celebrate them and there's always so many different events. Other exciting young writers on Book Week's lineup include Anna Chung, a poet from Glasgow who recently released her own poetry collection, Where Decay Sleeps. I'd like to tell you the tale about the Bean Nye. It is said that they were spirits of women who died at childbirth and that their spirits were doomed to wash bloody garments after death. Shh! Did you hear that? Let's tread carefully and I'll tell you the tale of the Bean Nye of Glen Arros. Philippa Cochran, head of the Scottish Book Trust, shares why Book Week is so important. Book Week is important because it is the one week of the year that's about celebrating books um, reading and writing across Scotland. Book Week has even reached Edinburgh Zoo, where the chimpanzees are sinking their teeth into their own novels donated by the Scottish Book Trust. And as Kirsty Logan, a contributing author, says... Stories can change your life, and they will change your life, whether you like it or not. To find out more about Book Week's authors and events, head to scottishbooktrust.com. Thank you, Ailey Tuckett. In some additional book news, Booker Prize-winning novel Shuggy Bane will be made into a TV series. The programme will be filmed in Scotland, adapted for BBC One and iPlayer, and produced by US film company A24. And now for the weather. Now, the weather on Radio Energy. Bright with some sunshine across the Lothians and western borders. Outbreaks of rain in the west this afternoon will spread slowly east, becoming lighter and patchier. It will remain cloudy tonight with light rain or drizzle at times. Temperatures not expected to drop below 10 degrees, so still fairly mild for this time of year. And now for Edinburgh's travel update. This is Radio Energy. Travel. Temp lights causing delays on Broughton and Macdonald Road. Lengthy queues continue this week towards the Roseburn Street Junction on Christorfen Road, Westcoats and Russell Road. Morningside Grove Carriageway is being resurfaced. This affects Lothian service numbers 23 and 36. 
Finally, a yellow weather warning scheduled between 12pm and 9pm tomorrow is expected to cause travel delays in parts of northeast Scotland. Bus and train services are likely to be affected, so please be safe and check before you travel. This is Energy Radio. Today's closing headlines. The Scottish Child Payment has increased from £20 to £25 today. Eligibility has been extended to all under-16s and is now thought to benefit around 400,000 children in Scotland. First Minister Nicola Sturgeon says it's a massive moment, but warns efforts to tackle poverty in Scotland could be diminished by UK government's spending decisions. Home Secretary Suella Braverman has signed a new deal with France in an attempt to reduce the number of people attempting to cross the Channel in small boats. The deal promises a 40% increase in the number of patrols to try and detect small boats attempting a voyage. And finally, a successful meeting between Biden and Xi Jinping at the G20 summit, seeing the US and Chinese presidents meet for the first time in two years. In an exit interview, Biden has suggested he doesn't expect China to invade Taiwan. That's all for today. This is Energy Radio and I've been Molly Finlay. Thank you and good afternoon.